Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I want to remind you, if I could just talk to you just for a moment before we jump into Scripture, I just want to remind you why we're doing what we're doing. We're in a series called This Is Our Story. We're taking the big rock stories of the Old Testament. One, because there are people who don't know the big rock stories. People are being born again, wasn't raised in church, so they're hearing stories for the first time. If you're an old timer and you know the stories and you went to Sunday school and you had the flannel graph, then maybe this is reminding you. And then we're also connecting it to the New Testament because I want you to say this. The Old Testament... Now, now, if you participate, see, this is why it takes so long. If you just participate, right? The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. But the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So you'll see these types and shadows in the Old Testament letting you know what the New Testament is really about. And the New Testament is actually going to explain the Old Testament. So you need both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I've, we started this series because we have an identity crisis in America. In our culture, you're starting to watch people, and here's the term that you would use, self-identify. That they would start say, well, I am a, and then you can fill in the blank. You're hearing it everywhere. You're seeing it on news. You're watching it with political agendas, social agendas. You're watching all of that. And we're even seeing it creep into the church. I had a conversation with one of our young leaders, young called by God leaders on one of our staffs, not at this location, but one of our other locations. And I asked him, so you're called? Yes, I'm called. What are you called to do? And he said, well, I'm called to be a creative. I said, well, could you be creative and explain that to me? Because I don't know what that is. And he goes, well, I'm, I'm arts and graphics and, and, and those kinds of things and filmmaking and all this, you know, kind of media type stuff. And I said, well, can I tell you, that's not in the Bible. You know that, right? It says some were called to be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. If you're called by God, you're called to do one of those things. Now, you may be gifted in creativity, but the gift should not be in front of the calling. In fact, the gift should serve the calling. What, is, what are you called to do? Are y'all tracking with me? So you got to be careful when you go, I am called to No, no, we're called to be representations of Jesus. We are called to be servants of God. Right now, I can just tell you what your calling is. We are servants of God. That was a little weak. And we may serve in different capacities. And so I want to talk to you about, so we we, we started with Adam and Eve. Y'all remember? We started with Adam and Eve. I just want to remind you. And I showed you that two uh, Swedish scientists discovered that our DNA is 96.6% exactly the same. So there's only 0.04 of us of our DNA that makes us any different from one another. And this is what their conclusion was. They turned the science world upside down because the science world says we all came from 
a continent or, or the continent of Africa, a place of about 200 people, and they said, no, it's not true, not about Africa. They just said, we didn't come from a group of people. We actually came from two people. Two. Now, they did put a note in there, not Adam and Eve. How many of y'all know better than two Swedish scientists of who we actually came from? They are correct. We did come from two people, and those two people are Adam and Eve. Why am I telling you that? Because I want to make sure you understand where your identity goes all the way back. Because we normally stop too short. I'm from the continent of Europe or Africa, or I've come from, and I'm, I'm one of the original people. My dad, too, right here. We, we know where we came from. We came from Marksville of Oils Parish. But it goes back further than that, doesn't it? It goes all the way, our bloodlines go all the way back to two people, Adam and Eve, which means you're sitting by your cousin. Turn to your left, turn to your right. Just introduce yourself. Say, what's up, cuz? Yeah, you forgot to invite them to the family reunion. So the question is, do you have white family? Answer, do you have black family? Answer, do you have brown family? You got red family. You got yellow family. We, got, we are all come from the same two people. That's our bloodline. But how many of you thank God for Abraham? Because Abraham starts something different. He starts a new race of people, a new nation. And I call it the spirit line. That when we got born again, you became part of, Abraham became your, part of, became your father in the spirit. Because he's the one who started. God said, I'm going to start a new nation of people. And we are part of that nation. Some of you remember the little song we used to sing as children in children's church. If you know it, sing along. <laughs> father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. And I am one of them. And so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, Father Abraham. <laughs> Y'all can pick that up on my album right out there, my greatest hits album at the Welcome Center when you leave today. And so... And spirit, and I've been trying to get this into your head. Please get this into your head. Spirit's thicker than blood. Spirit is thicker than blood. Think about your family, your blood family, the ones that you do invite to the family reunion. I, I just did a, uh, the funeral for Miss Barbara Dodge, went to, be, to, went to heaven. It was a beautiful funeral. There's some funerals that you dread doing, and there's some funerals that you love to do because they're beautiful, and she had a beautiful life. And they had two nephews that did the eulogy. And they, I met with them before service, and, and we were just talking about our parts to play. And I said, okay, nice to meet you, nice to meet you. And I said, do y'all know each other? How well do y'all know each other? They said, oh, well, we see each other at family reunions. They're from Alabama, by the way. And I said, oh, so do y'all ever get together? No. <laughs> I go, y'all live in the same state? Y'all in the same family? And well, we see each other at the family reunions. And you know how you do family reunions? You say to people that you're related to by blood, y'all come see us. But you don't really want them to. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Hey, Uncle Joe, yeah, y'all come see us now. And, and you're hoping, and they say things like too, yeah, we gonna do that. 
But they get in the car and go, we ain't going over there. And you go, I hope they don't come. Because you don't, you're not really that. But then, but when you find a brother with the same father, with the same father, and man, that you walk through a dark night of your soul, man, you know you can call him and he'll be there because spirit is thicker than blood. And if you haven't discovered that, you're missing out on one of the important factors of being part of a body of Christ, building relationally together. And so I want you to get that. We live, Opelousas, look at me, St. Landry Parish, North Lafayette, which I call South Opelousas. You are an enigma. We said it from the beginning. We're going to tear down pride, prejudice, and poverty. Guest speakers come in here all the time. They ask me the question, how did you get black and white and rich and poor all to come together and worship together in the same house? I say, that's a great question. But we said it from the beginning. It's non-negotiable. Because I don't care what flag you fly, white, black, rich, poor, doesn't matter to me. As long as you fly the flag of Jesus higher than all of those... Listen to me. We all grew up with a bias. All of us did. Just go ahead and fess it up. We grew up with a bias. Uncle Russ is not here. Him and Makisha, along with Pastor Myron and Courtney, are leading a trip right now. They're, they're gone on the mission field. And, uh, but one, one day I was talking about this very subject, and I called Uncle Russ because he was best friends. He's African-American, Uncle Russ is. And he's best friends with a guy named Clint. Uh, who, who since moved to Dallas, and they were best buddies, best friends, white. We had white family, black family, best of friends, setting the example for all of us. They're kids, they spend the night with each other, they go on vacations together, they do the Cajun thing. Cajun people all go on vacation together. I never understood that. <laughs> South Louisiana, everybody, we're going on vacation. Who you taking? Oh, mama, papa, cousin, friends, brothers, I go, man. Anyway, that's just a thing I have against the people here. But anyway, <laughs> I'm teasing. And, 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 and so I called Uncle Russ. I said, Uncle Russ, talking about bias, how you grew up. A vantage point, which you had nothing to do with. Nothing. People told you things. And I said, how did you grow up? What, did, what, were, you, what, did you, what were you taught, taught about white people? He said, oh, Pastor you. they're all liars. You can't trust one of them. I said, really? He goes, yep, that's exactly how I was raised. You can't trust white people. None of them. Snakes lie to you. All right, thank you, bro. I love you, man. Oh, you too, Pastor you. And then I called Clint, his best friend. Clint, how did you grow up? What were you taught about black people? Oh, Pastor you, they liars, they snakes. You can't trust them. Every one of them will lie to you. Are y'all tracking what I'm laying down? The enemy's been saying the same thing to both sets of people trying to keep them apart because he knows if we ever get together and come to the same vantage point, the cross, the word of God, and start seeing through the Bible instead of how we were raised. Oh, the world's in trouble. 
Now watch what happens. You're watching it in the world. You're going to watch CNN and Fox. They're going to try to do it to you. I'm telling you, they're going to try to keep the divisions among us. What? Yeah, they are. It's how you keep power. And so prayerfully, we ain't there yet. I feel like Dr. King sometimes. We ain't got there yet. I may get there someday. But we're working on it. We all want the same thing, to tear this thing down. But black hands can't tear it down by itself. If it did, black hands would already have torn it down. But white hands can't tear it down by itself either. It's going to take black hands and white hands together on it in the name of Jesus. Now listen to me. In the name of Jesus. So I'm trying to help you connect your identity because if not, you're going to identify by colors, by, by sex, by genders. You're going to identify by other things instead of, no, I am a child of God. <coughs> I had to cough. I was going to say some more stuff right there, but give me a minute. Is it true? Is it true? And so keep doing what you're doing. I, I'm war- I warned you last Sunday of the, the storm that's coming. You got to press in even more. I'm telling you, the enemy's going to try to divide. I, I know I'm a social media fuddy-duddy. But you have to be careful on it. I'm telling you, it's the poison that the enemy is going to, it's the pipe, it's the lead pipes that he's using to feed us. And I'm telling you, in the end, it's going to poison us. And it's coming. And so you just got to press in. Press into this word. Do the readings that we give you. Do the questions when you go home. No, no, today's the day to press in. So I want to pick up our story. That was a long intro to just to get where we need to get to. But I want to remind you. And so Moses, we've been talking about Moses. Remember last week he gave us the Ten Commandments, the Big Ten. And we walked through the Ten Commandments. The law of God. And now he's going to lead Israel all the way to the edge of the promised land. And we're going to pick up the story right there because God is, everybody say transition. God's about to make a transition. And let's pick it up in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 1 through 3. When Moses had finished giving these instructions to all the people of Israel, he said, I am now 120 years old and I am no longer able to lead you. Push pause for a second. It's not that because he's 120. In fact, the scripture said he still had vision and he was still strong. I don't know if you've ever met somebody like that. They look old, but they ain't old. And that that was him. The dude was still strong, still had vision. But let's see why he's not able to lead anymore. And watch what happens. The Lord has told me you will not cross the Jordan River. What's the Jordan? The Jordan is from the wilderness, remember Egypt, they got delivered out, salvation, through the Red Sea, baptism. The wilderness was their development, the tests, the trials and tribulations that they had to walk through. And by the way, God does that to every believer. You get saved, you get baptized, and then you got to go through tests and trials and tribulations. He's going to test you. He's going to test me. I got tested the other day, how many of y'all want to know my test? What happened? As soon as you come up and tell your, your junk, I'll tell you mine. No, this happened to me the other day. Remember, 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 the law of God has been written upon the heart of every man. 
I, I know we, we say things like, yeah, well, they took the Ten Commandments off the courthouse wall. I, no, that's not the problem. The problem is we took the Ten Commandments off of the, the wall of our own hearts. So I got tested the other day. I get tested too. Man, we, we had a, a when, there was a, a worker guy came by our house to do some work for us. And he left something. He left a chain. A big, nice chain. Like a chain. I need a chain. <laughs> and, and man, I was like, oh man, he left that chain. I've used that chain since he's left. Because y'all know I, I'm, I'm a farmer. I do have a big green tractor. If you come over to my house, I can make it go slow or make it go faster. I'll take you through the, down through the pasture. Come take a ride on my big green tractor. I wrote that. Anyway, some of you country music people will get it, the other people won't. So this chain, I need, I, we've used it. We've already used the chain. And so the other day I went, but it doesn't have the hooks on the end. So I stopped by Tractor Supply and I got some hooks for it because I'm going to need it with some hooks. So you don't have to tie the chain, you can just set the hook. Well, those hooks cost me $40. Heidi said, you going to put it on? Get it out the house, go get those hooks on that chain. So I go out there and I put the hooks on the chain. Are y'all proud of me? These hands, they're learning. And so I put the hooks on the chain. I got the hooks on the chain and then the Holy Spirit spoke. He said, that ain't your chain. <laughs> but I need a chain. <laughs> but that ain't your chain. I said, okay, okay, Lord. Well, he, I was convicted. I get convicted too. The law of God has been written upon my heart. Because if I kept that chain, what we were taught as children was a lie. Losers, weepers, finders. No, no. Well, let me tell you what the law would say. You're a thief. You stole that chain because it did not belong to you. You need to return the chain back to the man. And he said, and leave the hooks on it. So I repented. I'm looking for him. He's coming back. And when he comes back, I'm going to deliver his chains. And he's probably going to say, well, those hooks aren't mine. And, and I'm going to say, I know, no, they are yours. They're, they're yours. I want to bless you because I used your chain while you were gone. And I want to bless you with the hooks on the chain. And I repented of my sin. Okay, okay don't, don't clap. Up. No, that's sad. That I had to go through that. Oh, quit acting like you're all holy and nothing like that's ever happened to you. You know what happened when I walked out in the foyer? Three men. Pastor you, I'm bringing you a chain. Oh, come on. See the fruit of repentance, baby. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. What were we talking about? Y'all got me off on this chain. Let me show you something. He's, he's like, watch it. You're not, you're not crossing Jordan River, but the Lord God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy the nations living there. This is the promised land. 
Everybody say promised land. It can mean two different things in scripture. It can mean eternity, heaven, the promised land. But it also has another meaning. It means your purpose or your destiny. What you were created, why you were put on this earth to come to your promised land. And so that's the crossing over the Jordan was the boundary. And he says, Joshua, Joshua will, will, t- will, uh, Joshua will lead you across the river just as the Lord had promised. Joshua. Everybody say Joshua. It's important. So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Thank you, Jesus, for that. And you go, God, well, how come Moses, I mean, he did all the hard work. He got him out of Egypt, the plagues, Red Sea, he was there. And, and let me tell you why, because it does seem pretty harsh, right? That God would go, no, Moses, you can't go. Not you, Moses. You got him all the way to here, all the way to the goal line. And then we're going to give Joshua the ball. And you go, why? Well, Moses was disobedient to God. He actually, there was a moment in the Old Testament where he is going to, uh, he, he, Israel is complaining again. They're thirsty. And, and, and Moses is so frustrated because God keeps proving himself over and over and over again to them. They're hungry. They bread in the morning. What about at night? Quail at night. What about this? I'm going to. I'm going, I'm going, we're going to take care of him. Wait a minute, it's cold at night. Fire by night. He'll lead you. Yeah, but what about the day when it's so hot out here in the wilderness? Cloud by day. What are we going to do now? Watch God can do. Thank God nobody in this church complains like that. No, thank God. None of us do. Because we, they see God work over and over and over again. Every turn, always meeting every single, not every want, but every single need. He keeps meeting it. It's not always on their time, but he does come through on time. You got that? He doesn't come through on your time. He comes through on time. And he keeps coming through on time. And they keep ending up in the same cycle, finding themselves back at complaining and murmuring again. Don't clap. Because I know nobody in this room does the same thing. What now? Oh no, gas prices went up again. Did he meet your need last week? If he met your need last week, he gonna meet your need next week. If we keep putting our trust, so they're walking through this and Moses gets frustrated with them. Why are y'all murmuring and complaining? So he said, we're thirsty. God says, see that rock right there? Speak to that rock and water will come out of it. And Moses is so mad at the people that he ends up taking his staff and striking the rock twice. It's important, twice. God's like, no, you ain't going. What? Did you know what the scripture says in the book of, I think it's James 3, 1, I think. I could be wrong. Y'all could check me on that. That those in leadership will be held to a higher standard and God's holding Moses to a higher standard remember Old Testament is the New Testament concealed New Testament is the Old Testament revealed there's there's a greater reason I'll share it with you in just a second but but because of his anger God's like no you're not gonna go by the way 
if I do something that I should not do. Touch is gold. The resources of this church that you give and take that for my personal gain, then I don't deserve this role or this platform because it belongs to God when it was in your pocket and it belongs to God when it comes into the, to the bucket and it belongs to God when it goes into the bank and then we ought to look over that and steward it as if it is God. If we didn't, then we'd be stealing from him. And we would, I wouldn't deserve to be in this spot if I touch the glory, which means not direct your attention. Oh, you no, 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 it's, it's all him. It's him. It's, it, trust me, if you knew me, you'd go, it's him. <laughs> not him, him. It's all him. It, it, direct the glory. And I can't touch any other girl other than the one God gave me. And if I touch any other girl inappropriately, I need to be removed from this office and never to return to it again. No, you should say amen to that. Stricter standard, higher standard. Why, why, why is that? Because the Old Testament, the New Testament, you know who the rock is in the New Testament? The rock, the one that can give living water that you'll never thirst again. Come and drink of me and you'll never thirst ever again. The New Testament is revealing the Old Testament that the rock was Jesus and Jesus was going to be struck once. He was going to be struck once for the sins of the world. And that was it. And Moses struck him twice. So even the grace of God, that grace, even though Moses would disobey, God would still let water flow because he loved us so much that the water would still flow out so that we would never thirst again. Are you all tracking with me? So you go, that's why Moses. Now watch this. I also want you to know that Moses represented something. Moses represented the law, the Ten Commandments. He was the law giver, though he wasn't, he was really just the law deliverer. The law giver was God, but he's going to represent the law, the 10 commandments. Think about those 10. It's a guide. It's a mirror for us to look into. I mean, they're not really that difficult, are they? Put no other gods before him. No other gods but him is what it really means. Don't create a graven image and worship it. Light some candles, pray down, worship it, because God is spirit. You can't put him in an image. How about this one? Don't steal chains, anything. Don't lie. Don't bear false witness. Don't hate Don't, or murder. Don't commit adultery. Man, if we could just live the 10, we'd make a major difference in our community. If we could just live the 10, the law, but we can't. We keep falling short of it. Yes? Nobody wants to say amen when it's yes, I, I fall short of it. Yeah, you're full of pride is what it is. No, we fall short of it. And so you've got, you've got the 10. Watch, watch this. Let me, let me show you. Let me show you this. Watch this. Galatians 3, 10 through 14. But those who depend upon the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. In other words, if you're trusting in it, you're going to be cursed because you can't keep it. Let me tell you, some, let me tell you why the world's the way it is. Uh, or let me say it this way. We have a responsibility for the world to being the way it is. 
Christians do. Sometimes we look, we can be so self-righteous and look down on. And the law was there as a mirror for us to look into it, to remind us of our need for a rescuer and a saver, or we would be there too. We're not going to win the world by being pious. We're going to win the world by love that we will be able to kneel down to and say, let me reach you where you are and not be so pious. That means snobbish, like I'm better than you. Watch what it goes on to say. So it's clear, watch this, yellow. So it's clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. Verse 11. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scripture says it's through faith that a righteous person has life. So it's not through the law, it's through faith. This way of faith is very different from the way of law, which says it's through obeying law that a person has life. But Christ has rescued us. Can you say thank you, Jesus? No, you need to say thank you, Jesus. He has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law when he was hung on the cross. He took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. Thank you, Jesus. For it is written in scriptures, curses everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles which means the Cajuns, the black, the white, the red, the brown, everybody that's not Jewish, with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Thank you, Jesus. So Moses represents the law, and the promised land represents our destination. And now God is going to say, Moses, law, you can't get them there. What do we do? Joshua. Everybody say Joshua. Joshua, you come up. Joshua is going to lead them across. By the way, here's what you need to know. We know that Joshua is in the Old Testament, but our Savior's name is Jesus. Yeah, so if you take Jesus, New Testament is written in Greek. Old Testament is written in Hebrew. It's important. So if you take the Jesus and translate Greek from Greek to Hebrew, Jesus is really the same name as Joshua. Yeshua. Joshua. What's he saying? Moses can't get you to your destination. Moses can't lead you. The law will never get you to the promised land. You're going to need Yeshua or Jesus or Joshua. Joshua is going to come and represent the one who comes by grace and said, now he will lead the people to the promised land. We need Jesus because you and I can't keep this law. Does it mean that we don't strive to keep it? Let me tell you something. There's two people I want to please in this life. Number one is the Lord. He reminds me when I take chains that don't belong to him. And I hate when he does it. But he's right. 
I love Heidi. I'm crazy about her. 33 years. I love her now more than I loved her 33 years ago. I like her now more than I liked her 33 years ago. I like the now version of her. I like her. I love her. I'm crazy about her. I want to please her. I really do want to please you, baby. I want to please her. I don't always please her, but I want to please her. It is my desire to please her because I, I love her. The commandments aren't burdensome. I want to live the commandments, not because I have to, but because I love him. I love him. It's what the world is looking for. It's the real representation of what it means to be a follower of Jesus that is motivated by love and not motivated by law. If you, you'll stick out like a sore thumb. Sinners will want to be around you. Oh, no. Yes. Jesus' reputation was friend of sinners. Then there must have been something about him that he wasn't condemning but he was just living life out before them, setting the example, and for them to go, well, and that's what the scripture says, be prepared to give an answer for when people say, what hope do you have? What's about you that's different than everybody else that I meet? And then it opens up the door for you to share truth with people when their hearts are, are y'all receiving what I'm laying down? So I'm talking to the most influential, powerful people in St. Landry Parish. That we've got a responsibility to walk outside and to represent the grace of God. Do we do away with the law? Of course not. The Ten Commandments are important. We want to live them because we love him. And when we don't, we repent quickly in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. So only Jesus can get us to the promised land. Now let's jump to the book of Joshua real quick. Vic's going to come and help me, and I am going to wrap up. I I didn't get through the first service either with the the message, so I'm not going to get through this one either. But I want to show you this real quick. We get to Joshua. Joshua's now our dude. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. That's important. Joshua's been serving. He's been serving Moses. And he said, Moses, my servant is dead. Victor, come help me because I'll finish a lot better when Victor's with me. <laughs> Moses, my servant is dead. I, I love this about God. It's like, next. Look right here. Just so you'll know, this church doesn't belong to Heidi and I. You do know that, right? This church belongs to Jesus. Do you know you are, we are all part of the sheep in his flock? And there, there will be a day that will come that they'll go, Pastor, you's done finished next he he doesn't he doesn't just he didn't weep over him next watch this Moses my servant is dead therefore say this yellow with me the time has come he said Moses my servant is dead the time has come for you to lead these people the Israelites across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them Moses is one of the greatest leaders in history. I mean, you can put him up there with the Apostle Paul. You can put him with King David. 
He spoke with God face to face. Now he's dead. Next. It's a new day. It's a new season. New leader. Transition. Moses' generation didn't get to enter the promised land because they kept Moses. The generation with Moses that came out of Egypt didn't get to enter the promised land either. Why? Because they kept looking back. They kept remembering. They say things like, well, at least in Egypt, we got pots of meat. In Egypt, we had leeks and garlic. I don't even know what leeks and garlic was till after the first service. I know what garlic is. It's, it's a seasoning that you put in stuff. I didn't know what a leek was. Does anybody like leeks? I don't even know what they are. Do y'all know what they are? How many of you are lying to me right now? You don't, nobody orders leeks. There's no Billy's Boudin and leeks. Leeks. And I learned it's like an onion thing that you add for spice. and Leeks. You know, spices. Leeks, garlic. Yeah, but you know what the report was about the promised land? It wasn't leeks and garlic. They said there's a land flowing with milk and honey. I don't know about you. Leeks or garlic versus milk and honey. I'm taking milk and honey every time. Leeks, garlic. Boudin crackling. Boudin and crackling, baby. No, no, they kept looking back. They kept, nostalgia's okay for you to look back. We threw it, we, we sang an old song today. I don't know if you know that. I exalt thee. That's an old bat. That's a throwback. That's a leak in garlic. There's nothing wrong with that. Something wrong with looking back at the past as long as you learn, you're learning for the bad, you learn. And for the good, you remember the lessons learned to take to the future. Look at me. Look at me. Don't look to the future and anticipate the hunger. Look to the future. I'm telling you, we're at the moment of the greatest move of God. I believe it with all of my heart. It's like the world is setting it up and going, God, this is going to be so good when you do this. You're like, look over here, and it's going to come. And you go, wait a minute. God, I've prayed over you that he would distinguish, just like he did Israel, between the Egyptians and Israel, that the light would stay on in Goshen, that people would go, man, you're not worried. We've already shared with you, economic turmoil is coming, and the church has never done better than this season right now. Wait, are you kidding me? That maybe God will keep you working and making more dollars while economy's going bad, you're going... It isn't affecting me like the rest of the world. It's God. God is doing. I want you to look ahead with faith and believing. Listen, I, I know we, we've got things in our past. I just want to encourage you today. Let it go. Sin, regrets, hurts. Maybe you were wronged. Can I talk to you for a second? Join the team. Let it go. Let it go. Man, let's, 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 let's look, let's look to, uh, ahead of going, no, no, we're anticipating great news. God's going to turn this thing around. This, he's setting it up. Let me get to this last part because I want, want to get you here. Y'all received that? Joshua 1, 3 through 6. I promise you whatever I've promised Moses, watch this. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I've given you. From the wilderness to the south of the, of the mountains, to the north, to the river, east of the sea, the west, including the land of the Hittites. No one will ever be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you. I will not abandon you. Be strong and courageous. He keeps saying it over and over. Be strong 
and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. But I want to highlight this. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land. Verse 3. Go back to verse 3. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. Now, because I want to just make sure you just keep it up there for me. I want to make sure you translate this right. Because that's not the way we've normally heard it if you've been in church for a long time. You've normally heard it, wherever you set your foot, I'll give it to you. That's not what it says. It says, wherever you set your foot, you will already be on land that I've what? That I've already given you. So, wait a minute. So, I got to, can you be Joshua? Go, hey, wherever you set your foot, you're going to be on land that I've given you. Wow, that's cool, God. Yep, there too. What would you do if you were Joshua? Would you just kind of stand in one spot? Go, wherever I put my foot is land that you've already given me. Yep, wherever you put you. I don't know about you. How about, yep, right there too. What about over here? What over here by Vic? Yep, giving that land to you. What about over here? Well, I mean, I'd, 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 I'd take a, I'd say, what? You, you've given me. I've never done this in the history of 12 years. How about right here? How about Riley? Right here? Yes, right there. I'll give it. How about right here? Yeah, that's yours too. Wherever. It's already given you. I love all y'all, but I ain't running all around this church. I'm too old. <laughs> wherever. You know, that's your, wherever you put your foot is land that I've already given. We're talking about what? Destination. Promised land. Wherever you put your foot. Let me teach you a principle real quick. There is a point where the sovereignty of God meets the responsibility of man. The sovereignty of God, land I've already given you. But there has to be the responsibility of man. What was his responsibility? Start taking steps. Move. Just keep moving. Don't stop. Just, just keep moving. Because wherever you step, that's land. So, so what God is trying, he, he's, wherever you go literal, he's already made it legal. It already belongs to you. But you got to step to make it literal. Does that make sense? It's legally yours, but you got to step on it to make it literally yours. Everybody track it with me. You, you know what? Every month we do this thing called next steps. Did you know that? <laughs> next steps. What does what, what it talking about? Look, you go, well, I just don't know where I'm at right now. I mean, I come to church every Sunday and I just, uh, no, then you should go just to go, just take a step. And go on the mission trip. Just go, I'm going. I'm just taking a step because I know that every time I step, I'm taking more ground for the very purpose and destiny for which God laid hold of me. I don't know. You ever rode a bicycle? I haven't rode one in a while, but you ever notice the faster you go, the more you move, the easier it is to steer, the slower it is, the harder it is. That's how God is with us. Look, if you'll just start moving and start taking steps, then I'll start directing your path of what you should do and where you should go. Are y'all picking up what I'm laying down? 
man's responsibility. You have kids, you tell them, son, you go to college and daddy will pay for it. That's the sovereignty of the father. But how many of you know, he better go to class and he better make a good GPA because if he doesn't, then you're no longer going to do your part because he's not doing his. What's our part? The time has come. Move. Just start stepping. How about over here? Yeah, that's good. How about this one? What if I gonna take, you can't take the wrong step. Not towards God. Every step towards doing something for God, in God, in Christ, is the right step. And you're only preparing your purpose and your destiny. Do something. Just take a step. I did. I promise this is it. I'm, I'm landing the plane. When we were hiding our student pastors and we went to a football game, watching some of our kids play high school football, and we're sitting up in the stands. And even as I look back, God was little watermarks going, okay, you, this is what you're supposed to be doing, right? We're sitting there. There's, there's, a, there's a white boy, high school kid, sitting in front of us and all his friends right in front of us. And we're sitting there watching the game, just like anybody else. And all of a sudden, out of the corner of our eye, comes a black kid, high school student. And he's got about 20 of his friends, black kids. And he comes walking down the aisle to the white kid with 20 of his friends. And we're going, uh-oh, he got bad intentions. And they stand up right in front of us. Like, you can't watch the game anymore. Right in front of us. And they start, you know how boys do. Yeah, you want some of me? Yeah, you want some of me? Yeah, come on. We're we going we to do this right here. We're going to And this, you can tell, this thing's getting heated. And they're going, they don't even act like we're even there. And Heidi goes, do something. I go, baby, what do you want me to do? I mean, I'm going to get hurt. I mean, I, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Look at me. And she goes, I said, Eugene, do something right now. And I go, oh, my God. Okay. So I just, I had no idea. I just stepped up in there. I just put my hand on both of them like this. I go, hey, boys, what y'all doing? And they're looking at me like, who are you? I said, oh, let me introduce myself. I'm Pastor Eugene. That's right. You heard me right. Pastor Eugene. I'm the pastor of the little church down the road over here. And I'd like to invite you boys to come to church on Wednesday night. We've got a youth group over there of students that just meet together every week. And I think you two boys would be great if y'all two would just come on to church. I think we could resolve all of this if y'all would just come to churches. And the the white kid kind of looked at me like, have you lost your mind? But the black kid, I know he had a grandmother or he had a mama who, who taught him right, praying through. And he, his head ducked down like, man. And his partner's in the back. They can't hear. So they're like, what, what's going on? And he goes, man, are we doing this? And, and he turns around and goes, man, I can't do this right now. That's a pastor right there. 
that is a pastor. I can't do this, man. That's a pastor right there. I don't, man, I don't, man. It's just like, man, this is weird, man. My mama killed me if I did this. And for my grandmother, she would, oh, my, she'd beat me if I did. Oh, man. And those two boys end up getting saved, born again, and became the best of friends in the student ministry. Everywhere you step, it's land I've already given you. The sovereignty of God has to have the responsibility of man. You can't just, well, he's Jehovah Jireh. But when the bucket comes, you keep walking by it. No, you got to step you can, yeah I'm just, I'm just I'm just I'm just struggling I'm just I just I, I'm just waiting for a friend but if you hadn't taken the you need a friend be a friend if you be a friend you'll get a friend I promise you it'll happen to you in Jesus name I'm prophesying are y'all tracking with me I need you to see from a different perspective than what we've been seeing all these years in I believe, I believe this is the No, 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 there's still a remnant. Hopefully there's a remnant in this very room. St. Landry Parish can radically change, but it's going to take all of us, the sovereignty of God, taking responsibility and willing to step out ourselves. The law is written upon our heart to remind us as a mirror that we still need Jesus to get us to a promised land because this could never do it. If you think it does, you're going to get proud and ain't nobody won't be around you because you're all pious and religious and it's ugly and it stinks. (laughs) Did I say that right? Was that too harsh? Let me see if I could be a little harsher. The only person that you ever see Jesus rebuking, throwing tables over, was not the sinner. It was those that were pious and they're sanctimonious and they're following of the law. Remember that woman? This woman was caught in adultery. I don't know what he wrote. Nobody knows really what he wrote. I think he probably was writing names of some of the ones that wanted to do it where they did it physically or in their heart. Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. need the grace of Jesus to get us to the promised land. Let's take our responsibility in our community. Well, we need to get a new whatever. You feel that? The police aren't, the mayor's not. Let's take our responsibility. It got here because we probably hadn't been doing our job too. Y'all receive this? Father, we come to you today 
we receive your word and we ask in Jesus' name as we look intently into that mirror, I need you. I'll take chains that don't belong to me. We need your grace. Remind us of your grace. And Lord, would you fill us with your love? All the world's looking for the darker it gets, the more we can shine. It's, it's not bad news, it's great news. The more we'll stand out to lead people to you. The very thing they're looking for. So I pray, Jesus, that we'll receive this word. It'll bear fruit tomorrow morning. Maybe today at the restaurant, speak differently to that waitress than we normally would with grace. Thank you for your grace. With every head bowed and every head closed today, maybe you're here today and I just want to tell you, Jesus is not mad at you. He loves you. He so loved you that he came to this earth to die, live a sinless life and die to be the wrongdoing, to take the wrongdoing. That law just simply reminds us that we need a savior. We need someone to forgive us of our sin. And that's why he died on the cross to fulfill the law that we could never fulfill. He fulfilled it for us to pay our sin debt so that we would owe nothing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And maybe you're here today. All you have to do is admit you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus came on your behalf. That's his sovereignty. Our job is to put our faith. That's man's responsibility to put your faith in him and then see, confess him as Lord and Savior. Maybe if you're here today and you're ready to receive, to be born again, I want to pray with you. It's not a magic prayer. It won't save you. The cry of your heart is what saves you. He hears that. But I want to lead you in this prayer. I just want to help you. If you're here today and you go, I'm ready to be born again today, to give my life to Jesus. He's not mad at you. He loves you. Would you slip your hand up all over the room? I'm going to pray for you. Thank you. See your hands all over the room. Congregation, can we add our voice to theirs? Would you just say this out loud? We're going to say it with you. Would you just say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you face hell for me so I wouldn't have to go and that you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, purpose on earth, and a relationship with the Father. So I repent and I receive you in Jesus' name, amen. Can we put our hands together for all those who receive Christ?